Welcome to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial. Now, here's your host, Patrick Donahoe. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Wealth Standard Radio. We are broadcasting live out of beautiful Salt Lake City. Spring has come pretty early this year. So it's always nice waking up to the sun and decently warm weather. gives you uh, gives you spring fever. My uh, my co-host this morning had, w- came down with the flu. Maybe he was just just afraid of getting on the radio with me. But graciously, one of our strategists here at Paradigm Life, Justin Martin, has joined me. Justin, how are you doing? How are you doing this morning? Doing great. I'm happy to be here. Happy to fill in. So it's good we'll, to be here with we'll you, We'll see Pat. by the end. We're going to talk about some pretty <laughs> crazy stuff today. We are. Yep, it's true. <laughs> so hopefully your eyes don't roll back in the back of your head. But uh, we're going to get into some cool stuff this morning. We are. Yep. Uh, the Paradigm Life is, uh, you know, it's an, it's an awesome place to be. It's an awesome philosophy. It's great to come and, and, and work and produce with people of the same mindset. And that's, that's really the purpose of the Wealth Standard Radio. This is why we do the podcast is because it liberally gives us the ability to express our philosophy, our opinions, what we think about the world. And some people can choose to listen, some people can not listen. And looking at you know, looking at what we've done over the last several years, it's, uh, it really is a profound opportunity to, to be able to express ourselves in this fashion. A lot of people have woken up. There's a lot of people that are still asleep, and I don't mean physically, I mean mentally. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot today to wake up because our world operates in a very similar fashion. And the more people operating under the same paradigm, the stronger it is. And it, uh, it pisses me off sometimes. Yep. It really does. Yep. And looking at the, the, the human being, what they can accomplish, and seeing people live in a status quo mentality, it's frustrating. Yeah, and you know, you talk about kind of this this awakening or or this learning something new paradigm shift type of concept. I was stuck in the status quo. I I worked as a financial advisor for a large brokerage firm for a good eight years before I found out and had a paradigm shift with with the program and the systems that we teach here and. And it, it's mind-boggling. Just you know, I've, I've been here. It's I'm at my one-year anniversary as as a wealth strategist nice. here Happy at Paradigm. Hey, thank you, <laughs> thank you. But just looking back over the last twelve months, it is it's mind-boggling to kind of think through and conceptualize how much new information and life-changing information that I've come across. Well, and even even that. I mean, w- despite us being here, we still go out into the real world and yeah. we. We hang around with people that are in that mindset. We listen to TV. We listen to news anchors. We listen to politicians, and and essentially we're influenced to get sucked back in, back into that paradigm. And it's hard. It is. It's a daily. It's a daily battle to keep a mindset or a paradigm of productivity and a paradigm of abundance. And and looking at, you know, last last week I was on. A, I was on the Summit at Sea, which is a an investment real estate investment conference with the Real Estate Guys Radio, and we're actually going to broadcast a, a podcast that we did on the on the cruise ship. 
Uh, but it's a week spending time with producers. It's spending time with people that that uh, have chosen to uh, to take the the green pill or the blue pill. Green pill. What's the matrix pill? It's the blue pill, right? Blue. Yeah. And and not and not live not live in a polarized manner and really make something of themselves, make something of their life. And it was awesome to be in that in that group for an entire week because it really it really shifted me. And you would think coming to work each day and helping individuals to overcome their paradigm of the world that I would get that, you know, that I would have that mindset on a daily basis, but I, you know, I get sucked back into it as well. And so looking at the the this podcast and our sh- our show today, we're going to talk about the uh, the predominant paradigms that exist in the different socioeconomic classes in mm-hmm. our in our society today, and and talk about why things are the way they are and how the coming storm is is going to continue to wipe out, uh, and it's going to completely wipe out uh, a lot of the upper class because of the paper markets. And uh, and I want to get your opinion. You haven't. You don't even have an idea. Any idea what I'm going to be talking <laughs> no, about this today? Is fresh. So, so it's uh, so it'll be good to get your to, to get your perspective. Yeah. Uh, but looking at you know for those of you who are who who are longtime listeners, uh, we're we're grateful for uh, for your loyalty to us. Uh, we're grateful to our clients who have uh, chosen to to make a you know to choose to make a difference in their life to choose to do something that is not mainstream. And we've seen tons of success stories. Just the, just the what we do. It's not about the financial products that we sell. It's about how those products make you think. Right. And it's how you look at your finances, your purchases, your investments, your financial life. And it helps you live in a different mindset as opposed to being controlled by the fear perpetuated by banks and financial institutions, uh, which is bigger today than it's ever, than it's ever been. For you first-time listeners, we're also grateful that you're here. This might be the last show that you listen to, but that's okay. <laughs> but the purpose of our the purpose of our programs, the purpose of doing this, is, uh, is to provide education on what we found to be true. Our online e-learning programs, our webinars, the blog posts that we put out, the social media uh, that we that we put out, and our exposure there. It's to just continue to have you ask different different questions, and that's all that we ask today is don't take our word from it or word for it but ask yourself what is the other side of the coin right because because looking at society today everybody operates as if there were one side of the coin right education you go to school that's just the way that it is you graduate school you get a job that's just the way that it is when you want to put money aside for retirement or for savings, you do it in a 401k or, or something the government tells you to do. And then you work for, for however long, two, three decades, and you pay off your house, and then you retire. Everybody is doing things how everybody else is doing it without thinking. There's this safety in numbers. There's this herd mentality, and it's perpetuated on purpose, not to help you but to hurt you and to perpetuate just basically – you know the the elite class and our our government and financial services and special interest groups, which we're gonna we're gonna get into. My advi- my my what I want to get across is look at the other side of the coin, okay? Look at it from different eyes. Look at what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right, and and you know this this other side of the coin that you're talking about it just reminds me this morning before I came into work, 
you know, I was helping my wife get the kids ready for school, you know, eat breakfast, do a few things. And, and two of them, I've got three, I've got three little boys and two of my boys were in the back room and I could tell they were fighting a little bit and it was escalating, escalating to the point where a parent needed to intervene. Well, when I go marching into that room, room to go intervene, typically my first reaction is to re- respond to whoever is screaming and crying the loudest. <laughs> But that may not be the issue. That may not be the one that I need to talk to. Mm-hmm. And I think when we look at when we look at life, when we look at, you know, financial markets or or whatever it may be, although something may be screaming louder, we need to make sure that we're we're looking at both sides of the argument. And there's a natural there's a natural tendency for humans to react a specific way. And that's, you know, what you did this morning is exactly what most what most people do. I've done it a million times. Uh, but I was uh, I was talking to a client yesterday, and we had to postpone a meeting because his six-year-old daughter uh, had an, kind of an emotional breakdown, hmm. and and I, I sympathized with with him because I have two two daughters, and they have there's this there's this emotional side of them. But I read a book a few a few years ago, which totally shifted my paradigm when it came to the relationship between a father and a daughter, uh, and it's called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters by Meg Meg Meeker. And the reason why it hit me, it was, a, it was a firm kick in the, in the groin when I read that book. Uh, because, again, it's, just, it's, a, it's a paradigm. It's a huge paradigm shift to look at the relationship between a father and a daughter. I grew up with, with two brothers. Yeah. And we beat the crap out of each other. <laughs> we fought. And we, I created, I had a, a specific mindset when it came to you know, women and, and girls, right? And when I was married, huge paradigm shift. Then I right. went to have my daughters, even bigger paradigm shift. And I looked at in the beginning, you know, my emotional reaction to their emotions. Like, give me a break. You're you're <laughs> upset about your your shoes don't match your pants. And you know, I, I reacted from a rational perspective, but at the same time, stepping back, especially with with daughters, daughters just like most human beings, but even more so, want to be loved. They want to be respected. They want to be heard, and they don't want to be dealt with from a a, a stick standpoint. Okay, they want they want to be heard, and then reading this book, I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means because I'm not. But read, reading this book, it always makes me think of what is the other side of the coin in that situation. The natural reaction of a man to a daughter is one side of the coin, which most men react to, and that's why women these days are you know they're this Meg Meeker, she's a pediatrician, and she gave some ferocious type of examples of what happens when there is not a strong relationship between a father and daughter and what yeah. that does to a, a woman uh, yeah. uh, going forward in their adult life. And I always think back to that. How, and it's a, and I maybe from a fear standpoint, but it comes also as a responsibility standpoint, which is these are my daughters. I'm their inspiration. I need to be there for them. I'm their partner. Okay, I'm their leader. I'm their inspirer as opposed to their, you know, their, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's drill sergeant or whatever, authoritarian, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, that go, that goes off on a little tangent, but it's very, it's you know, it's it's uh, along these, it's along these same lines. Yeah. People operate in this status quo mindset, and they don't think. And I think it's because, you know, just the way in which our society works and our, the way in which our brain works, there's so much information that we're hearing exposed to on a daily basis. And our brain almost kind of shuts down because there's an overload. And we don't rationalize. We don't step back and think. We just operate in the same MO every single day. So as I was you know, thinking about what we're going to talk about today and from just this natural 
natural mindset standpoint, um, I kind of bro- broke it into uh, three socioeconomic classes, which is the poor, the middle class, and the wealthy or the, or the rich. And the first thing I looked at is, is the poor. Now, this is not to, you know, to, to be condescending by, by any means, but if you look at the results a person has in life, okay, everybody's born with the same, same type of opportunity. We're not born with an opinion about this, that, and the other, okay? Those opinions are created. And the poor, it's, it's a mindset. And, and I'm not talking about you know, poor from a financial standpoint, because you have, you know, you have very poor countries in in Africa and third world countries and second world countries that have an evident poverty. But I would argue that that is how the Americans perceive them. Okay. There are, there are third world countries where we think, oh man, they must be, they must hate their lives, but they love their lives in a sense. Okay. Now there are poor mindsets in all socioeconomic classes. Um, but I'll give you an example of my, of my wife. My wife is from uh, Mexico originally and, uh, we met in the States, but the first time I went down to, to meet her family, uh, before we got married, uh, Cynthia grew up in, you know, this cinder block home, concrete floor. Uh, her family never had, never had a car ever. And still to this day, don't, don't have a, don't have a car. And they took the bus everywhere. Uh, it was, you know, paycheck to paycheck. It was, you know, that, that's a, an overstatement. So they, they hardly, you know, grow, growing up, they, they struggled big time. But looking at their family, they all live in that very uh, close, uh, in close proximity. Um, there is, there is a, a family and a culture that I didn't have growing up as an American. And they all were there for each other. Yeah. They fed each other. They took, they took care of each other. And even though from my perspective on them, it was a very poor situation, they had an abundant standpoint. And, and looking at, you know, looking at my experience, it's been very humbling for me, uh, being married to Cynthia. Um, and we've married, you know, going on 12, 12 years, but look, looking at, you know, how we live our lives, how we raise our, our children. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's from a, a different mindset. It's not from an American mindset. And so looking at, looking at the poor, it's not from a, a financial status perspective. Uh, it's because of, a philosophy. It's because of a paradigm. And the poor in our culture today, it's a very uh, entitled society. Okay. The poor today are, um, they're dependent on social programs, which are counter, are counterproductive. Um, they, they learn to game the system. They learn to take advantage of welfare, take advantage of social security, take advantage of other, you know, uh, hospital programs or healthcare programs. And it destroys them because it is anti-mind. It is anti-production when they do that, because essentially they're taking and they're consuming more than they produce. And that is not, that is not part of nature. And looking, doing that over and over and over again, I sympathize, I sympathize with that. But in a sense, our culture, especially our political system, has enhanced or perpetuated that because we coddle to that that behavior. Now, there are there are reasons for those type of social programs. I totally get it. But we basically created a class. We as an American population have created a class that is never there's not going to do much with their life because the longer they're in that class, the less likely they're ever going to break out. And looking at the human being, the human mind, it's a it's a multi-billion dollar asset. And basically we as a society have squashed that asset and given them excuses to not work and not produce. So is that on purpose? I don't know. 
Maybe it, maybe it is on purpose. But looking at the poor class, how we look at things from a poverty mindset, that is what creates the physical circumstances. It's what creates those results. And from a poverty mindset, there needs to be a significant shift for somebody to break out of that because people have broken out of it. They've been born into a, you know, into a, a part of the culture where everything around them is poor. It's entitlement. It's, it's gaming the system. It's taking advantage of others. It's stealing. Okay. And, but there are some that break out. So Justin, I'll ask you. So when a person is born in these circumstances, why do, why do they break out? Because most of them don't, most of them are stuck there for the rest of their lives, but some people break out. Why do they break out? You know, and, and that's, that's, it's a good question. As you're, as you're talking about this, this poor class of people or this, this mentality of being poor, you know, I think water, it always wants to travel wherever their least resistance is, right? Yeah. And so if there is a free cell phone that's given out, if there's some free money that's given out, if there's something that's given out, that's where the water's going to travel. Mm-hmm. And and when you really start looking at the numbers of someone that is taking advantage of entitlement programs, et cetera, mm-hmm. in reality, that person financially is where middle class is. And it's it's kind of interesting to see we're, we're trying to create this gap, but in reality, it's almost, it's almost the same. Very good point. Um, when, when we're looking at breaking someone that breaks out of, out of that class, um, honestly, I think, I think to my dad growing up, um, my, my dad, although he grew up in the United States, um, et cetera, he grew up in a, in a home that always struggled financially, a broken home with stepfather after stepfather. There was a lot of alcohol, a lot of other things, a lot of abuse going on in the house, but he was able to break out of it. Now, his, his way of doing it may be different from one person to the next, but there comes a point in time when a wall needs to come down somewhere. The water's still going to travel down whatever directions it's going to go, but maybe a wall needs to come down. Maybe that water needs to be diverted somewhere else. Well, it's inter- it's interesting because you're, you're totally right. And I think that's, uh, that is a natural part of, of a human being is to find the path of least resistance. Because resistance is is difficult. There's a, there's a mm-hmm. struggle there. Uh, as you were talking, there was a, an experiment that I read about a number of years ago, and it basically was an experiment with three three mice, and the, and basically the mice were given tasks to get to get food. The first mouse was just given food. They didn't have to do anything. It just sat in its cage and it was given food. The second mouse had to basically make some rotations on a wheel, and then they got food. But the third experiment was there was this maze and the mouse had to travel up um, these different planks and the food was all, all the way at the top. And so what they did is they, they killed the mice and then cut open their brains and sliced their brains and looked at the, the, basically the, the, the brain itself and, and uh, the, you know, the, the difference between the first and the, and the third one. And there was, a distinct, there was a distinct difference. And it talked about a person going through resistance and figuring figuring things out, having to use their mind and what that what that does to them as a person. And like you said, I don't know what it is that breaks a person out of that poverty mindset. Um, it could be a book, it could be a leader, it could be an inspirer, it could it could be a teacher. Who's no who knows right. what what it is? But the fact that one person can break out is proof that anybody can break out. Yep. But if you if you look at the definition of insanity, which has become cliche, the Einstein definition of insanity, it's doing the same thing 
uh, over and over and expecting a different result. And looking at the poor mindset, we can't expect as a society to just give, give. We've, we've given. We've had so many different hundreds of billions, trillions of dollars in social programs, and it hasn't worked. It's just made it worse. Yep. So one of the things you said is, is which is really profound, and I didn't put that in, put that in my notes, one of the things you said is is that the difference between the poor class and the middle class is not very is not very different. Maybe the size of their house and the car they drive is is uh, is different. That's about it. So yep. what did you mean? What did you mean by that? Like what 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 are some similarities between the poor the poor class and then the middle class? I think it comes down to the mentality of how how persons living their life are they a self sustaining person? Um, one class isn't better than the other by all means, but the way the person is governing themselves and running their life is, and it's if if social programs were taken away, we're going to have natural selection happen, unfortunately, um, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why we see a lot of the doom and gloom type articles coming out right now. Because if that did happen, if we did have a crash in some type of a government or economic outlay, then yeah, there's go- there's going to be an issue. But when you look at the way two people are living, they can be next door neighbors. One hasn't worked a day in their life. The other one works 60 hours a week, but they drive the same car. Mm -hmm. They have the same smartphone. They're eating the same food, but it's that mentality shift of one person saying, I can provide, I can provide for myself Mm -hmm. and I know I can achieve more. The other one saying, hey, it's being provided least resistance. And yeah, I do think there's a distinct difference there. But looking at looking at dependence, there's still a massive amount of dependence. Yep. So you look at the poor class and what they're dependent on. They're dependent on more of more of the government and the system, right? And they try to milk that and game game the system. The middle class, they're dependent on just the the American the false idea of the American dream, which is not a dream, it's more of a nightmare, which is, you know, you you go to school, right? You, you get an education, you pay an arm and a leg for that education, you go into debt with that education, and the reward of a job is basically set up so that you pay off your loans and pay the highest tax bracket. Uh, and you're, you're essentially a slave to your job, you're a slave to your, your debt, and all, then now you depend on your 401k and a qualified plan uh, for your retirement. As if the government screwed everything else up but they got the 401k right, which is not the case. <laughs> nope. And and it's more of a dependence. It's a dependence on, you depend on your employer, you depend on uh, the government, right? And you depend on the stock market, okay? There's no self-reliance there whatsoever. Now, there's a distinct difference where these people are actually going out and they are trying. They think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. And doing the right doing the right thing, that's one side of the coin. That's what they think. But there is a totally different side of the coin. And this is where the, mi- the middle class is really where uh, I have the most, the most fear. Because looking at how fast our world is progressing, the majority of middle class jobs will cease to exist in, in a couple of decades. You're, you see this massive improvement of efficiency when it comes to technology taking over manual, manual labor. And it is going to start to catch people off guard. And a lot of people are afraid of that. You're going to have special interest groups and politicians and people trying to squash that type of technology. But there's a huge shift coming. What's that shift? 
that shift is you have the big one of the biggest dev- well the biggest demographic in history the baby boomer generation is starting to lose their stature in society they're going to lose their stature in the corporate world they're going to lose their stature in the political world and now you have this up and coming generation that's not going to have anything to do with that there may be some inkling of that but this up and coming generation they are pro technology pro-efficiency. It's a completely different mindset. The baby boomer generation is going to get caught off guard. So the middle class, this dependency that they have, they're going to start to come to this realization that, you know, the people that they were depend on, depending on are going to fail them. And they have. I mean, look at, go, go to 2008. 2008 squashed the system. Okay. 2008, people thought in the middle class that the right thing to do is to pay off their house. Okay. They thought that the right thing to do was to put money into the market. Okay, their home values were slashed in half. People lost jobs. People lost the majority of their retirement savings. Okay, because they depended on people who then took those resources and squandered them, right? And then the yeah. political system bailed them all out, and the people on the dole, okay, are going to be the American public because their tax dollars are going to be what's paying for this debt, this massive amount of debt that the government's taken on to basically bail out these institutions. Right, so the middle class is where I have the most the most worry, because they're still not caught up from 2007 2008. Okay, the jobs that they have are less. There's inflation. Uh, there's you know the Federal Reserve says we're going to continue to have inflation. We're going to continue to devalue the purchasing power of your money. They say that. I mean, it's evident in their in their language. Yeah. Things are going to get more expensive, and people think that that's a good a good thing. So it's kind of the boiling frog mentality where there's this hope that exists, which people are are, are going to be very uh, very caught off guard. And how long can we keep on bailing out that ant- antiquated thought of of helping helping out this middle class? I mean, look at Detroit. How much money are we going to keep on putting into Detroit before people realize that technology is advancing? Detroit is still a great city, but maybe there needs to be something different there now. Stockton, California, mm-hmm. the whole Central Valley mm-hmm. of California. I mean, there's the, there's advances that are happening that we have to jump over 2001, 2008, and say, okay, we are in the 21st century. Well, that's a, pick up. and and those are those are great points. There's, I mean, the pension the pension idea. The stock market itself and the bubble that it's in right now. I mean, there's going to be a big wake up call next year where you have the bulk of baby boomers starting to take their RMDs, their required minimum distributions. And and that's the thing is that's a sell off. It's a forced sell off of securities. And when you have a sell and there's not enough buying demand, what's going to happen to prices? And then once prices start to decline just a little bit, that's where the human irrationality comes in. And people are just like, sell, 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 because they don't, they have a fear of losing more. And that's where it gets out of control. So who knows what's going to happen next year if that's even the case. The government might step in and say, okay, RMDs are now 71 years old, or they, they change up some of the, some of the rules. But the fact, the fact that remains is the middle class are reliant on these, you know, on these, uh, uh, these government institutions are relying on their employer. They're relying on somebody else for their for their well-being. So let me step back before we get into the rich the rich class. The purpose the purpose of today isn't to to make you afraid. <clears throat> it isn't to um, you know to be pessimistic about things. But the thing is, oftentimes fear fear is what motivates people. Fear is what makes people think. Because at the end of the day, there are two primary motivators in life. Right? You have uh, the fight or flight, 
Okay. Yeah. You have, I'm going to, I'm afraid I'm going to run, run away and do what it takes. So I'm not afraid anymore. Or I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to fight and I'm going to be a uh, pro proactive and, or it's a, a, a amount of greed or if it's amount of self-interest that a person wants to push forward as opposed to, you know, tuck tailing and run. So that's, that's the idea is, you know, if that's, if, if, uh, the latter, which is the best way to be motivated, if that's your motivation, awesome. You don't need any of this. That's not the primary motivator today of people. The primary motivator today of people is 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 fear, unfortunately. And looking at these things that are coming online, they may happen, they may not. Um, but but take a look at the other side of the coin. Look at what you've been taught your entire life, and and question: Is that the right thing? Okay, it might be for you. I don't know. I don't want to make your decision. These are your decisions. This is your life. This is you, how you view the world. You wake up every morning. And put on your shoes and put on your pants and and do your thing. Look at why you're doing it. Okay, why? It might be the best thing for you. I don't know, but for most, I guarantee it's not. Okay, you're you're a slave just as much as the poor classes. You're just a slave to different masters. And and looking at the third side of the coin, which most people don't know. I mean, yeah, there's two sides of a coin, but the third side is wisdom. Third side is intelligence. To look at both sides and choose what the best direction is for you. But you don't know that third side unless you experience the first two sides. So looking at you know what we're trying to talk about, there are, it's not us that's just saying this. Um, I'm regurgitating you know, a lot of opinion, a lot of philosophy of, of other authors, uh, other podcasts, other bloggers, other writers. And I'm just putting my spin on it. So let's get to, <clears throat> let's get to the, the rich. So what are, what do you, what would you, like if you were to be forced to define what a rich person is from a, from a financial standpoint, what would that, what would that, what would that be? I think the rich person is the person that has the fear, but instead of flight, instead of running away from it, they can look in the mirror and say out loud what their fear is. And then they take that and they embrace it and say, how am I going to get over this hurdle? Now, financially, what does that mean? I, you know, I don't know what that means, and it's different for every home, it's different for every community, every country out there, but I think it's that person that says, here's my fear, here's my obstacle, I'm beyond that now, mm-hmm. and now it's to the next one, mm-hmm. and they continue that fight to where they are, you know, they're financially stable, they're financially, de- you know, dependent mm-hmm. on themselves, and they don't have to rely on someone else. So there's two, and, and the reason why you answered that way is because you have a different mindset than most. If you were a middle-class person, okay, in your fidelity job as a financial advisor, when you look at a rich person, there's, so there's, I guess you can define it in two ways. You have the entrepreneurial rich, you have the self-sufficient, self-reliant rich, but then you have the, you know, the traditional rich, which is doctor, lawyer, high-paying corporate job. Yep. Okay. And looking at that class of people, they're now set for destruction, right? Because they're the ones that are paying the highest taxes. If you really look at the amount of money that's being taken in FICA and then uh, federal income tax and state tax, it's insane. I mean, you go to California, over 50%, over 50% of, of the, you know, this class of rich, of their income is taken. Isn't that crazy? It is. And, and California is still a mess. So it's, again, it's the insanity idea. You can tax people to death, but it's the insanity deal, which is you keep taxing people 
and your the political system is still the way that it is, it's not going to change anything. Yeah, just more more people, more special interest pockets are going to be padded. And those same people, they're also strapped to student loans, like you'd mentioned earlier. So it's not even the taxes and everything they're paying. I mean, they're trying to pay off two homes at the same time. The home they live in and their student loans is some fictitious paper note out there somewhere that they're trying to pay down. Yep. And it's the other, it's again, it's that social stigma yep. of... If you want to be rich, you have to get a master's degree. You have to go to law school. You have to be a be a doctor, and that's that's where you've made it. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. That's <laughs> that, again. Look at the other side of the coin. You're even more of a more of a slave because what comes with that social stigma, right? What comes with that social stigma is now you have to drive the Mercedes. You have to have a second and third home. You have to have a boat. You have to send your kids to to private school, right? There's a social stigma that comes along with that. And individuals in that class end up being in the same type of mentality as the middle class and the poor. Yep. So that's the that's the traditional rich. And looking at this coming financial crisis, because uh, it's a, I mean, it, the market. If you look at valuations, you look at PE ratios, you look you look at what is going on in the markets right now. It's it's scary, and it's completely bloated because the amount of money that the, the Federal Reserve has enabled private equity and hedge funds to use to prop up these markets and to bloat these markets. And it's insane. There's so much malinvestment. There's so many poor decisions. It's completely out, out of whack. And like I said before, once you start having this, this RM, it's a whatever the black swan is, it's probably not even a black swan anymore. There's a little event that can occur where there's a sell-off. Something happens. There's an announcement that's made. And it's... It's a it's a sleeping bull in a china cabinet. Yeah. Once they're spooked, all hell is going to break loose, and and that's the thing is the majority of the riches assets are in are in paper. They're in the market, and they're reliant on what the market does, and it's un, it's unfortunate. You know that that's that's going to be coming down coming down the line. We don't have a ton of time to talk about how the whole monetary system works and how that pertains to uh, the market. And the idea behind Glass-Steagall, which which was repealed uh, a few years ago, and enabled uh, you know these these investment banks to use the Fed window, and 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 that's why these markets are being propped up the way that they are, and it's uh, it's really it's really scary. But once that sets off, who knows who knows what's going to happen? But all three of these classes are are subject to some type of dependence. So why are we talking about this? We're talking about this because we want you to turn your brain on. I might be full of crap, okay, but I might not be. I'm not the only one that's saying this. There's a lot of other people that are saying this. And if I'm right, or if I'm even a fraction right, or a, cer- a small percentage right, okay, you can you can avoid you can avoid what's coming down the line, because in my opinion, the more chaos, the more opportunity. Uh, corrections. This is it's human nature. Humans, humans learn so much by failing. Okay, you've—it's the whole "don't touch the the hot stove," right? It's uh, having a financial difficulty in your life and being put in the position where you have to figure your way out of it. It's the mouse that has to climb up all these different planks and so forth to get their food. When you start to have those opportunities. That is when humans transform. That's when their paradigm shift takes place. So looking at the coming, the coming crisis, uh, it's more of a mind crisis. It's an internal crisis. It's not a, it's not a physical crisis. But hopefully, hopefully in those moments, 
there isn't these bailouts, there isn't these parachutes, there isn't these things that uh, that let people off the hook. Hopefully there is a correction and individuals can actually look at that opportunity and change, change their mindset. Because as I said before, when a person goes from this poor circumstance, whether it's mental or physical, there has to be a significant event, right? Now, is that all, is that an absolute law? No. But more often than not, there is this event that occurs in somebody's life that says, what the heck, what am I doing? Why am I here? I don't want to be here. I want to be somewhere else, and I'm going to do something about it. And hopefully these circumstances that come down the line the next few years will do that. It could be the market correction. Uh, it could be an insane amount of taxes and a person trying to figure out how can I make more money and pay less taxes. Um, it could be technology replacing their job. They may be an assembly line person, they may be a cashier, and suddenly iPads come in, suddenly robots come in and completely wipe out those jobs. Those are brainless jobs. Human beings, don't they should not be in that position of doing brainless work. They need to use their mind and actually create, create something. Because like I said before, it, there's a good part of it and there's a bad part of it. Some people will perceive it as bad, but it's always good. You can always perceive it as something good. And that's what's amazing about life is we can choose every day what we do, how we think, how we live. We can choose the profession that we want in, the, in this country that we have. We can give the bird to our employer and say, I'm going out, I'm starting my own business. I'm going to go online and I'm going to figure out a way to create value for something and be in control of that. We can, we can do that. Human be we as Americans in this you know, quasi-free country <laughs> can do something like that. And, and that's, what's, that's what's amazing, that's what's powerful. And hopefully that is the mindset that people start to develop because if not, it's, uh, they're destined, destined for failure and destined for destruction. Where, where can a person start to go then to, you know, if, if, if there is a crisis that's coming up in a few years and they need to change their mindset and they need to get some more knowledge and information, what are some things that you do or that you suggest to people to do to change that mindset? First, first thing, first, that's a great question. The first thing that I would do is if, uh, if you don't, if, if you're kind of in a, a financially strapped uh, scenario, I'd take your TV and sell it on eBay. Um, if you're not, if you have a decent amount of savings, I take your TV out in your driveway and smash it to pieces and I dedicate yourself to reading. Uh, I dedicate yourself to actually finding people that think this way. And in the, in that reading, you'll start to develop ideas when your mind, when your brain and your mind is glued to the tube, your mind is shut off. It no longer acts. You're in this subconscious state where you don't think you're being thought for. And so that's the first thing that I would do. I want to go to a website. I want to go, I would basically destroy your TV and start reading. Okay. Form a book club, um, start to play monopoly uh, at night with your family, play cash flow one-on-one, uh, which is the Robert Kiyosaki board game. Start to do things that are not part of the status quo read. And I, I heard a statistic the other day that said that postgraduate college students, the average amount of books they will read in a lifetime, okay, nonfiction books is less than one. Oh, wow. Right. Again, we can have a whole show on how poisonous our, our education system is, but maybe we'll do that some other time. But that's the first thing I would do is I would turn your car into a library. Uh, I'd get on blogs that, that talk about 
um, being free, being an entrepreneur, uh, how to write a book. I mean, there's so many different directions a person can, can take. I don't want to tell them what direction to take, but what I would encourage people to do is, is start reading, start reading books and read books that are empowering. And I'll, I'll put an offer out there. Um, I'll send, I'll, if you email me at, um, Hey Daniel, what website, what uh, email address are we using? Info or podcast at paradigmlife.net. Info. So if you want to email, email me at info at paradigmlife.net. I'll send you my book list. Okay. So put your name, uh, put your name in there. Email me, and I'll send you. I'll send you my book list, and maybe that'll be a good a good start. So um, so basically, if if this podcast goes viral, we should see thousands of television sets smashed in the driveways hopefully right. good yeah good. let's have a television let's do it <laughs> that should be the new ice bucket challenge destroy your tv <laughs> destroy your tv <laughs> let's make it go viral <laughs> so but that's that's the first thing i would do is you can go to a library um you can you know get a kindle and a couple dollars you can go on amazon and find books for 99 cents um, and a couple bucks for shipping and handling, and then just sell it back to Amazon once you're done. That's the big thing: is your mind your mind is activated when you're exposed to new information, and it's not the information itself that's powerful. It, even though it might be, it's what that information does to your mind. What's it, what it does to your brain? It starts to activate it. It's kind of a muscle activator of sorts. If you're familiar with with uh, chiropractic. You want to activate that profound multi-billion-dollar asset because you have no idea what's in there, yeah. and it can completely change your life. It can completely shift your paradigm and philosophy associated with who you are, what you do, and and change the course, the entire course of your life. Because if you don't change it, it's going to be changed for you. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing I would do. I mean, it, and like I said, the book list that I that I have. Um, there may be books on there that are helpful. All of it might be crap for you. I don't know. Um, but I would go to your social media networks and I would go on there and say, I'm looking for some books to read. Um, what books have changed your life that you would recommend? Um, Zuckerberg, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, at the beginning of this year, he formed kind of this virtual book club. And on this virtual book club, he's some of the books. I, I started to read one of them, and I just didn't like. I just didn't like it. It's called the End of End of Power, and it had some you know it had some meaningful information in there, but it was just I don't know. It was too 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 boring too boring for me. So I I, I went uh, I kind of thumb thumb through it, uh, but I would go to your social media networks, and and hopefully there's someone in there that has a a good mind and find nonfiction, inspirational books that will start to change your mentality. Yeah. What are some book? What are maybe some of the books that you've that you've read that have inspired change or insp- inspired new thinking? You know, interesting you ask that question. So, I, I set a goal this this year to read at least a book a week. Wow! And and uh, funny How are you enough, How are you doing so far? I'm actually ahead. No way. By about five books. Wow. I've been so wrapped up in it. One of the one of the things that's helped me with it. I love reading hard copy books. I love just having that paper in my hand, but my audible account with Amazon has just exploded. And I've, like you said, I've turned my car into university. Um, this week I've, I just, I just got done this morning coming into work, reading through, um, well, I'm reading two books at the same time. I've been reading the behavior gap, which is a great book on, you know, how to find a financial planner, how to interview them, how to figure out what to do yourself as the, 
as the client. And then the other one that I've been reading this week, um, I came back to the Millionaire Real Estate Investor. I think that's the title of it. Okay. Um, but it's a great book of of helping people get out of the mentality trap that a lot of the middle class gets stuck in, but believe that you're something more and then act upon it. Not just read something, not just go sit in a seminar, but then to act upon it. So those are a couple good books that I've, I've read this year. Um, one that I have to suggest um, that's been transformational for me has been The Miracle Morning. I, I read that beginning of January, yeah. and it has just been a transformation for me as I've been learning how to better utilize my morning hours to set up my day. So you have like your physical breakfast, which is the most important meal of the day, yep. but you also have your inspirational mental breakfast. Exactly. Exactly. Another, like, actually, as you were, as you were talking, another thing that I've, that I've been encouraged to do, especially now that we're getting into spring. And for those of you on the East coast, you're going to have to wait till, uh, maybe some of the snow melts, uh, <laughs> but go on, go on walks, go on walks with right. your kids, go on walks with your, uh, with your spouse and talk, be vulnerable and be open talk about what you think what you believe talk about passions that you have and walking i mean there's there are so many famous people and influential people that have talked about the power of just going on a walk and experiencing nature and and having good conversations but i think it all starts with getting rid of your tv squashing the tv or maybe just you know I, i know that there's little controls out there where you can like program it to only be on like an hour a day or whatever but i would i would start to do that Kids are going to be pissed, but it's okay. <laughs> Life will go on. There's lots of generations before us. <laughs> we're a lot more. Exactly. And actually, it's interesting that we're talking about TV is you look at the Great Depression. And during the Great Depression, the reason why it was it got out of control, it spiraled out of control, is because people were on the streets and they were talking and they were being depressed together. And that mentality went viral. If you look at the crash of 2008, 2009, one of the main reasons, my in, in my opinion, one of the main reasons why it did not take, the depression did not take off because it, it could have easily taken off is because people were glued to their TV hmm. and they were brain brainwashed into thinking, just, they, they just plugged, they, they unplugged from the world and just dealt with it. But the TV deactivated their mind. Interesting. So that's the thing is, Audible. I mean, sell your TV. Sell your TV on on the classifieds. Use that amount of money and buy an Audible membership. And you can you can download I think like fifteen or twenty audiobooks for like one hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars. Yep. So you can easily completely change your life by getting rid of your TV, selling it on eBay, and then buying an Audible membership. And I do the, I, that's how I, I mean, I read, I read books, um, but I also, Audible is huge, is huge for me. But one thing too is don't just read the book, but have people that you can discuss it with. It could be a spouse. If your friends don't want to do that, find new friends. Um, I know there's this, this safety in friendship, but if those relationships are, are in the same mindset that has gotten where you are right now, unplug them. Yep. Unplug them. There's other people out there that can inspire you and they're waiting to meet you. But because you're spending time with people that are draining your energy and draining your passion, it's not yep. going to happen. It's important to be nice to everyone, but you don't have to be friends with everyone. You nope. just don't have the time nope. to do that. There, it's the opportunity cost yep. is it's uh, you cannot quantify the, yep. oppor- the opportunity cost. Yep. Um, start to question. 
uh, look at, take a step back and look at what you, what you think about, what you believe, why you are in the situation that you are. Uh, it's because of the way that you think. All results are not a function of physical circumstances. It's all a function of what you think about. And start having different thoughts and start creating goals. Start creating, be, be ambitious. There's a part of us that wants to be ambitious. Uh, don't be afraid. And if you are afraid, figure out a way to, to conquer your fears. And as I was, as I was uh, thinking this morning, I remember when I was in, I was in high school and I was, I was, I, when I was growing up, I mean, I played hockey and that is kind of where I got a rise. It was my, it was my passion and, you know, it's a very physical game, but everything outside of that, I was a pansy and I was afraid. I was very shy. Uh, I remember this one time where uh, it was during the summer and uh, some friends and I, and there was a, there was a girl with us. Uh, they went and just jumped off this bridge, like into a river, not, not like, you know, jumped on the, the ground. <laughs> but when, we, when they went up there, everybody jumped off and, but me. And, and I always, rem- I always remember that hmm. I was scared. And, and I thought about that for a long, a long time. I still think about it today. And, and so one of the things that I do now is when I'm afraid of something, I immediately conquer it. Um, so we were, you know, on this real estate guys cruise that we were on, uh, they did, a kind of a, a relax, relax afternoon and they did a, a catamaran on St. Martin and, uh, and it still freaks me out like cliff, cliff jumping and, and heights, you know, it, it kind of always like tingle, you know, yeah. tingle down yeah. my spine. It freaks me out. Um, but you know, there's a, there's a cliff and it's one of those things where you just go up and don't even think about it and, and do something and, and jump off. And it's, uh, and I have the, I have the GoPro footage to, to prove Sweet. it, but it's one of those things where it sounds so, you know, it, it sounds so, uh, superficial, but it has a profound conquering fears has a profound, a profound impact. Uh, you and I do, do CrossFit. Actually, you haven't been at CrossFit this week, Justin. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm training for a half marathon in, oh, in two are. weeks. So I, I know you had a legitimate excuse, uh, but CrossFit is another thing, not to say that people, you know, need, need to do this, but it's another thing that, that has helped me because every day I go yeah. in and I'm pushed, my limits are pushed and CrossFit is just kind of a workout routine and you're, and you have a kind of a, a social environment there yeah. and everybody's doing the same exact workout and it's by time or weight or reps. And you have this edge associated with pushing yourself. This com- now you don't win like medals. You don't win prizes. Um, there's no like it, it's basically you go in there and with your peers, you all push each other. It's an cre- incredible environment. And for the last several years as I've been doing it, that's one of the things that I think has definitely changed me is, is having my limits pushed and getting to the point where I want to quit. And I, I'm at the point of physical exhaust, exhaustion and physical failure, but I finish and I push through. And I think if you do that physically in those type of circumstances, it carries over for sure to the social world, the business world, and, and so forth. So I think yeah. doing things that are outside your comfort zone is another part of, of facilitating this type of paradigm shift. Yeah. So, all right, what else? So. Anything else you want to conclude with? We well, uh, well, left. I just well, and you look good, by the way. You know, four years of CrossFit, it's paying off. You're looking good there. My, my wife's Mexican, <laughs> so I have to. I eat. I eat. Uh, yeah, we're, we're getting better, but you know, tacos and enchiladas and tostadas. <laughs> <laughs> All the good. I have to, I have to do CrossFit. <laughs> but no, what what I was going to say is coming back to you know exercising our mind, because I think it is so important that people are diving into books right now. Instead of blowing up your email box, um, this week let's put up a blog post of just a list of ten 
10 books that we as as advisors, as agents here are reading right now and we recommend as well as we'll put on our Facebook page because people need to see that. They need to be reading. They need to to get into it. So I'll make sure that that happens. Okay, I'll, I'll start putting a list, uh, a list together. And we're not going to create this sure. massive list, but nope. maybe we'll gather a bunch of people and then we'll take the similar books that everybody yeah, uh, let's has. Let's put it up. Has, yeah. Okay. Let's, let's do that for sure. And then we'll have the ability for people to comment on our Facebook page and the blog posts. Exactly. As well. So cool. Good. Great. Great idea. All right, everyone. Hope you guys have enjoyed, enjoyed this podcast. Uh, it's meant to turn your brain on. It's meant to shake you up. It's meant to stimulate you. It's meant you to, it's meant for you to, to think, to think different. Turn your brain on. Don't waste a day. Uh, there's there's only so many that we have, and a ton of those days are spent uh, sleeping. A ton of those days are spent. And I'm just talking about our entire life. There's so much time spent eating and sleeping, and you know bathing and doing some the mundane things of life. And there's only so much we're able to take our lives and make a difference with with that time. And we all have amazing resources. We have a brain. We have the ability to think. We have the ability to be inspired. We have the ability to inspire. We have the ability to soak in new ideas. We have the ability to create. We have the ability to do, to change the world, literally. Human beings are what change, who, are who change the world. All the innovations that you see, whether it's medical innovations or technology innovations, they're all created by a person's mind. That's where it all started. You have that same mind. You have that same ability. You have that same capacity. What it takes, though, is you to start uh, consciously thinking different. Start to do something that's going to inspire you. Uh, don't be afraid of failure. Everyone's going to fail. You're going to fail. If you go down this path, okay, maybe with you know the the poor and the middle class and even the rich class, um, yeah, you you may be safe there because you're not going to fail. Your probability of failure is is less. Okay, but you're a slave and the whole failure is going to come and you have zero control over it. But looking at being an entrepreneur, having your own business, being self-employed, being the, the captain of your own ship, anybody can do it. Even if you want to, you love your, your job, love your employment, there's still so many things that you can do on the side. There are so many things you can do at your job to be more productive. Okay, people are paid. Money comes as a result of producing, of creating more value. If you can figure out a way to educate yourself, figure out a way to come up with ideas, figure out a way to better, make more efficient, inspire, that is valuable. People will see that and it'll transform the way your employees look at you it'll, or their, your fellow workers look at you, your boss looks at you. Even if you want to stay at your job, there are always ways in which you can better yourself, be more productive and essentially more self-reliant. Also look at your investments, look at what you're doing financially. Really question, is this the best thing? Really question this whole idea of retirement planning. There are 20 plus trillion dollars of retirement assets right now, okay? The government is in a world of hurt because of the situation they've gotten themselves into. Where do you think they're gonna turn to when it comes to generating revenue? They're already taxing income. What do you think is gonna happen with those retirement assets? Start to think about what's going on. Don't just hope that things are just gonna naturally get better because that's the whole definition of insanity. It's not gonna get better, okay? Those products, mutual funds, 401ks, they're not set up for your benefit. That's what you've been told, but if you really start to think about it, it's the opposite. The government screwed up the postal service. 
The government screwed up Social Security. The government screwed up welfare. The government screwed up immigration. The government screwed up so many different things. Thinking that they got retirement planning right? Hmm. Turn your brains on, people. Thanks for listening today. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks. You've been listening to Patrick Donahoe on the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard for everything financial. Thank you for listening.